0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: Welcome to the show. We have with us this morning, Alan Wolf, who is the chief of staff to the mayor of Northampton and the mayor herself, Gina Lee Shara. The mayor is back in part because we didn't have a chance on Monday for Mayor's Monday to talk about a program that is, again, an economic development program that is ongoing in Northampton I think is really important for people to know about. And because this Program that we didn't have the chance to talk about, I think, but we'll find out, uh, connects to the use of the federal funds that are available for application for everyone who has a good idea. We'll find out. Alan Wolf, Chief of Staff. You've been Chief of Staff now for three mayors, two in Northampton, and previous to that in East Hampton. I, this may be a dumb question, but I ask a lot of them, so we'll start with it. What is the job of the Chief of Staff? The, the chief of staff um,
2: helps the mayor execute her agenda. Um, I I basically serve And in your case,
1: it always is her, which I would it, point out. Uh, <laughs>
3: so far. <laughs> no, wait.
1: No, it's, no, it's not. Yeah. Oh, we got Narcowitz. Yeah, right, right. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, Two yeah. out of three. So
2: I there's every department head is an expert in their area in the city, but there are a lot of projects that Uh, cut across departments, and I often will, on the mayor's behalf, play traffic cop um, and help them talk to each other, execute, make sure that they understand what the mayor's goals are, uh, and keep track of what everyone says they're going to do, and make sure that we accomplish the things that we're trying to accomplish for the people of Northampton.
1: So the chief of staff is the generalist, the coordinator, the facilitator?
2: That is often my role, Um, and, and also things that fall nowhere else find their way to my desk. Um, and so that has been economic development because we had an economic – I assumed those roles when um, we eliminated that position in the in – the, uh, after the pandemic. Um, and also um, trying to work on houselessness issues and coordinate that as both part of an economic development approach, but also for the human side of that as well um, as a function of the mayor's office because no other department specifically works on those issues.
1: This might be of interest to people. You sound – like a person who has about 100 different jobs. Uh, you're smiling, <laughs> but you're, I know you're, no, you're not smiling, you're grimacing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, in, in every case, I work with the mayor to, to understand what she is trying to accomplish for the city, and then I make sure
1: that the right people are around the table to make that happen. Okay, so let me turn to the mayor. Uh, mayor Shera, I'd like to know What is the, this is an unfortunate name, I think, Empty Storefront uh, program, which Alan Wolf, chief of staff, is uh, deeply involved in. Let's start with you. What is the program?
4: Good morning. morning. Um, First of all, I just want to say, Alan is being modest as always. So yes, he wears a million different hats and does them beautifully.
3: He's really Um, a champion for city issues. He
4: certainly is. That's an inside joke. You can uh, call my office and ask what it means. Um, And he, so, you know, In the mayor's office, you you do need to be a generalist, but you also really need to dig into the details, and um, Alan does that incredibly well. Um, So yes, let's talk about... So it's the Massachusetts Vacant Storefront Program. okay. Vacant. Vacant. Um, I don't know if that's better, but... (laughs) No. <laughs> um, so this- what
1: downer thought of that name? Who was that depressed person at the time? Okay.
4: <laughs> we, this is a designation that we applied for as a city um, with the Economic Assistance Coordinating Council, the EACC. Um, and we were accepted um, to uh, so uh, we've defined part of our downtown or um, sort of our central business dis- district as a certified vacant storefront district. So what that designation allows us to do is be um, involved in this program with the EACC where they will offer um, a fund up to $10,000 to someone who wants to come into a storefront that's been vacant for at least a year. Um, And then the the municipality, so in our case, us, the city, um, will match that fund up to $10,000. So they will get a tax credit from um, the Economic Development Incentive Program tax credit. They will get a credit for that tax. And then we will match it up to $10,000 in however we want to assist them. So whether that is waiving fees or licensing or um, just providing some assistance. And so um, this is something that uh, Alan and Annie Lesko, who also does economic development in the mayor's office, um, worked to get this designation for us. And we're really excited about this program. We think it's, um, you know, we, we talk about vacant storefronts a lot. And we're all, we often the request is for something punitive, and we really like that this is a positive incentive to bring someone into one of these storefronts.
1: So the city will match the state funds. Is that right up to ten thousand dollars?
4: Right. So up to twenty thousand dollars can be the the total um, credit that's being given to a business.
1: And the EACC is the state agency that funds provides the funds. The ten thousand dollars. Tell right. us what that stands for again, if you would.
2: It's uh, Economic Assistance Coordinating Council, and it's a it's a group of folks that we met with, and and they asked us a few questions, and then they voted unanimously to accept us in the program. And um, the woman who is the head of the the Amherst bid is on that, and she really went to bat for us. Uh, it was terrific, um, and and it was it was a very simple question and answer. But they you know they were surprised when we did this math at the, at at how many vacant storefronts we had in the in the in the defined area, uh, and said absolutely you you should be part of this program, and okay. this is, this is a
1: tool that you should have. And does the twenty thousand dollars go to the owner of the space or to the business itself or the enterprise that's going to be occupying it?
2: The business itself. The, the person who's going to either rent or buy the space uh, and that they get the assistance. And it can either be directly to them or or, or if they have a business to their business. But if they're a, a mom and pop sole proprietor, the money would go right to them in in the form of tax credits or whatever else or waived licensing fees or, or, or whatever else.
1: I wonder if $20,000 is or is not a significant amount for a business that's trying to start. I wonder what your thoughts are about that.
2: So I think every little bit helps, and this is what we have heard again and again when we've done economic development in the city, even for larger projects. You know, when, when people talk about TIFs or other, or other tools that government has, this is a nice one because it's a carrot, not a stick, to try and solve a, t- a difficult problem. And so where somebody is actively trying to raise the revenue to start a new business, this little bit, Helps. Um, you're right. I don't think someone could do could open a business on this investment alone, but it's something, and it's a way that the city can demonstrate that we have skin in the game and 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 a stake in this new business's success and in filling this spot that we would desperately like to have an active um, business that is generating foot traffic for downtown Northampton.
1: So it's part of a seed money enterprise. Correct. Let me ask this: in terms of bringing businesses into downtown Northampton, especially post-pandemic, hopefully. I'm not sure that's a correct phrase, factually a correct phrase, post-pandemic, but people seem to be using it, so onward and upward with that. Uh, Is there a model or suggestions for the kinds of businesses or stores that Northampton now lacks or that might have the best chance of succeeding? I'm wondering what the involvement of the city is in trying to Uh, bring people in and to then utilize these funds from EACC.
2: So I mean, this is a conversation we've been having actively since the pandemic started. And, you know, we, it has gone to all of our efforts to try and recover from the pandemic for all the, you know, step one was to try and restart the economy and bring people back who were reticent to come. And so the mayor has focused largely on on assisting outdoor dining, outdoor events, getting bodies back downtown and, you know, hopefully you going to the restaurants and walking into the stores and trying to restart that economic engine. There are pieces we're still working. Working on trying to figure out how do we get people to come back and do this. Um, you know, the, the Chamber of Commerce with the city and a bunch of other actors have started their vibrancy committee, pro- and there's six committees working on various aspects of this. The Picture Main Street project is trying to figure out how we remake downtown such that it in the sort of post big box post downtown Main Street USA world we attract people to come to downtown and the initial thinking is more experiential wider sidewalks bike paths businesses that have things that people want to come and experience I think it's an ongoing conversation um, that you, you can Google and see articles from planning organizations about people trying to figure out this very question. What are we going to be in the next phase of our municipal economies? And yes, we are actively trying to figure out that out and literally planning to remake the street to uh, serve what we think that model will be.
1: If downtown is going to become more of an experiential kind of uh, business model, the experience of going to concerts or plays or various kinds of performances—it uh, does seem to me that there are venues in Northampton that are really important. Oh, I I'm, see. I see that smile. Are you, <laughs> would you care to comment on that? Yeah, the, the hope of the city is
2: that all of our venues are open and having concerts and contributing to an economy. I know that the, some of the best days of Northampton is when all of, those, all of our venues have a show, and that results in a second seating at every restaurant, full bars after the events let out. That would be the goal of the city of Northampton, certainly, to do everything we can to encourage every place that can have an event that draws people to the city
1: open and operating. Can you comment further upon that?
4: Well, I mean, I think we should also celebrate the people that are doing remarkable work to bring in uh, new programming. So, for example, I, we were just talking to the people who are going to be on next who are um, who are working very hard to bring new performances and, and new art to uh, downtown. So, you know, I think there are their venues. We, as Alan said, we want every venue that's available to be open and functioning and bringing people in and, you um, and having full houses, but um, I I love how creative other people have been to sort of fill gaps during this time.
1: Right. But when there's a performance, for example, at the Academy of Music, and you bring in what, uh, what is Monty, about thousand eight hundred eight hundred I mean. people at the Academy, and it's packed, and you can see that part of Main Street afterwards just fill up. I mean, it's an economic driver. <laughs> to are also great performances. So it seems to me that that, would be. I mean, the, the the infrastructure is there. The people know how to do it. The performers have been here year, year after year. And how do is there is there something the city can do to help restart that part of uh, of our economy?
4: I think just encourage it. Right. So y- if you want to, first of all, come out to shows. Someone's playing. Go out there. Please, you know, Monty, you can – I'm sure Monty has great ideas on how we get people into seats, too.
3: Well, I mean, I'll just add that I talked to all of the concert promoters in the area in Northampton and beyond, and this is a very, very, very difficult time. People have not returned at the level that is sustaining this right now, and if you are listening Which to this – Which is true for
1: movies and – It's and, true for all of all these, of venues,
3: you know, yeah. public venues. So, I mean, if this is something you care about, you can vote with your dollars by going to these things – that maybe you used to go to before, but have not. you got in the habit of not going to because of the pandemic. If you don't come to them, we're going to really be in a big problem when it comes to live performance. And oh. this is up and down the valley. It's not just Northampton,
1: right? I would suspect that there are uh, persons in the business of booking who find it very difficult because people are still scared about COVID. I mean, and, that's...
4: you know, you should do it at your comfort level and safely, right? Wear a masks. And where you know, co- but. Um, yeah, please turn out and, and start supporting our arts in that way again. But um, be, you know, obviously we want people to be safe and comfortable. But I think we, we're at that place where we can engage.
1: We are speaking with the mayor of Northampton, Gina Shera, and her chief of staff, Alan Wolf. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the storefront program. We're going to talk more about how you can apply if you have an idea for a business. This is the time, and there is money available we're going to talk about that right after the break.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: When it's happening here
3: in the Valley, we're talking about it.
5: So this is Massachusetts way of saying we think it's an important program. We think it's important enough to continue for students and their families, and we're going to put the money up front to make sure it continues so that if the federal government does not renew it, Massachusetts will still have universal school meals.
6: 1015,
3: 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP.
7: It's October 2022, and that means it's Kringle Candle's 12th anniversary. Stop by Kringle Candle on South Street in Bernardston for their 12th anniversary sales event this Friday through Monday. Kringle Candle is open from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. All large and medium candle jars, Halloween candles, and fall decor items are on sale. Shop the new Kringle holiday fragrances just released. Visit the Gourmet Shop and enjoy much more. For more information, go to KringleCandle.com.
1: To play this game, you've got to be as sharp as a blade, as quick as a one-timer, as tough as plexiglass. Oh, and having a solid
3: dental plan, that's probably a good idea, too.
1: Hit the ice
3: all season long, right here on the UMass Sports Network. 101.5, 1400, and 1240, WHMP. At American National, we understand the tried-and-true farm and ranch lifestyle, and what's important to you is important to us. You deserve an insurance plan custom-made to meet all the specific needs of your agribusiness operation. American National offers flexible farm and ranch policies with package options to help better protect your livelihood. We're right by your side. For more information and to connect with a local American National agent, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri.
0: Did you know that you can prevent domestic and sexual violence? You can say something. We all can say something. Together, we can do so much. Say Something is the domestic and sexual violence prevention program at Safe Passage. Join a prevention lab to build your skills and find opportunities to say something to prevent violence. Join us and help make your community safe and healthy for everyone. Get more information or sign up for a prevention lab at saysomethingnow.org.
8: Northampton Neighbors is free of charge and open to all with a range of social and volunteer opportunities, as well as services and support for members 55 and older in the city of Northampton. Need help? Want to help? Join us as a member, a volunteer, or donor. Northampton Neighbors is about more than aging in place. We're about engaging in place, this place. Find us online at northamptonneighbors.org or call us at 413-341-0160.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: We continue our conversation with the mayor of Northampton, Jean louis and her chief of staff, Alan Wolf. Madam Mayor, on Mayor's Monday, you were telling us about federal money that is available for application. I wonder if there is a tie-in to what we were talking about in our first segment, which is the vacant storefront program, $20,000 available to anyone who is beginning a Uh, business or a venture of some sort in what a storefront that has been vacant for a year. sounds terrific. Um, I'm wondering whether there is a tie-in between the two programs that you've been telling us about, the, the storefront program and also the economic development funds that are federal for which there is an application process ongoing and I think about another week or eight days to make the application. So enlighten us, straighten me out. Talk, um, talk to me, help. I
4: would say the the tie-in that I could say is that this is just – it's showing how, how much work and energy we're putting into economic development in downtown, in both of our downtowns. Um, so those two programs aren't directly connected, um, but, um, you know, again, we really want – the deadline for the ARPA um, community recovery funds is October 14th. And we're asking everyone uh, to go to the web page and go to the mayor's page at uh, NorthamptonMA.gov and click on the ARPA link there. And all the information you could possibly want on that program is in there, um, including how to apply. And if you have questions, don't hesitate to call our office. Um, But that is different than this program, which is really a state program. Um, And so the vacant storefront um, district that we've created and these funds that um, are economic development funds that we have, we're going to use in the city to have that match with the state. Um, But these are completely separate programs.
1: Okay. I understand that. I'm wondering a number of things, but first, let's go back to what the federal funds are for and uh, if I were interested in applying, what do I have to show, what kind of business or model do I have to put forward, that sort of thing. Can you help me understand that a bit?
4: Sure. So, um, we have certain goals. So, this is this is money from the ARPA funds, the Federal American Rescue Act funds that, um, that the city received. We have set aside $4 million, or 18% of those funds, for um, recovery for the community. So, um you know, we know the businesses have been hurting. We know that um, nonprofits need help. We know that people are trying to recover from the impact of the pandemic, but also are trying to create more resiliency in their businesses or their organizations um, for the continuing sort of endemic situation that we're in or potential for, you know, um, another sort of, uh, God forbid pandemic that happens. So these are, you know, we want people to apply for these funds. They can, as we said on Monday, there's two applications. There's up to $10,000 or over $10,000. And so they have slightly different applications. And people can just... Um, come up with creative ideas and things that they they feel um, would really make a difference for helping them recover or survive. And we have this commission who we put together who is going to look through all of these applications and make recommendations to me on how we should allocate these $4 million.
1: So this could be for a business? This could be for a social service program of some sort? It could be this for could...
4: a new creation of a new project or something that you have wanted to do to sort of kickstart it. Um you, you know This will be a one-time infusion of funds, so you need to show that this would be something that could then be sustained or will get you to a place where you can sustain it. But, yeah, it's very broad.
1: Is what Northampton's doing in reserving this 18% of the federal funds, this $4 million, is this unusual or is this some somehow uh, representative of what is going on in communities across the Commonwealth?
2: Oh, um, I would say that uh, as a percentage of the amount of funds we got, it's unusual. Um, I think other comp- other towns have done community directed funds for this. Holyoke did it and passed it out very early under their interim mayor. Um, Springfield, I think, for a, a city their size, did about four million as well, if I'm not mistaken. But I think I think Northampton has and Mayor Shera have really decided we're a big chunk of this money should be. Uh, directed by the community. And that's what this whole process has been about, was to try to let the... And we did a survey that that at least pointed to what the community thinks we should do but then we have this process uh, and and hopefully have gotten the word out as far and wide in town as we possibly can to get people to apply and the real decision and advice from the commission and then finally the mayor will be how to best serve the community looking forward with projects that will um, best uh, help us recover from the pandemic because that is what these and the R and ARPA is recovery and so that is the focus of these dollars in my mind
1: in terms of bringing people back to downtown, not only downtown Northampton, but downtowns throughout the western Massachusetts region, I'm wondering whether or not the uh, the diminution in the numbers of people who are going to venues, whether that is a unique experience for uh, uh, smaller businesses or whether it's also affecting larger retail businesses. Can you help me understand that, what's going on there?
2: I think the pandemic trained a lot of people to shop on Amazon. And I think the big box stores, larger business, I think everyone in brick and mortar, whether it be mom and pop on Main Street or even the malls and the Best Buys, are feeling the pinch of people not leaving their houses and how well- Uh, the online retailers have now built their distribution systems to get you stuff so quickly that it doesn't feel like that much longer to wait to get that thing you want. So I think everybody is trying to figure out the new business model in this environment. And I think other things like the the great resignation and the difficulty hiring staff and food costs and the inflation you know is remaking the restaurant industry in terms of how they can survive and make a profit and and keep their doors open in its environment i think everybody is having to rethink what were core business models for years and years and we are now in a brave new world of scary business calculus and hopefully we'll figure out how to come
1: out of that successful well some of it works in the summertime in these open air venues. I mean, Summer on Strong is just fabulous. Um, the restaurants throughout Northampton, that have seating, outdoors seem to be packed. Um, and that's one model that is working. I'm wondering whether it's, well, maybe it's the most obvious. wasn't obvious before the pandemic, by the way, I'd point out. So, so mm-hmm. nothing that appears obvious in hindsight is necessarily obvious uh, looking forward. But I'm wondering if there are lessons there for us.
2: Well, I think the mayor took the lesson from Summer on Strong, and that's why Masonic Street Live happened and why the mayor set aside $5,000 for both of those for the entertainment. And so then you had salsa lessons at Masonic Street, in the Masonic Street parking lot of all places, in just a nice cool spot, uh, which then trained people to dance for the the salsa in the park that that Brian
1: Foote and the Arts Council do. So, it, Which has been terrific all summer. I mean, just fabulous performances. You can hear the music throughout the city and... Uh, it brings a lot of people downtown and uh, that's been enormously successful in and of itself and for the city at large.
4: Agreed. I think it really is, it transformed downtown this summer and and it's just, we live in New England and if we could keep it going all year round, we absolutely would, but I think we have to be as creative as possible about how we keep people coming downtown in the winter months and um, what we do to, to drive new businesses that will will really bring people downtown. So that's why, you know, this this new program that we're starting, I think, is really important.
1: Well, maybe we could have a lot of cross city skiing. And uh, things like that. I mean, there are possibilities. I mean, we're going to have snow. Maybe we could juice it to our advantage as opposed to saying, well, weather's terrible outside.
3: Yeah, we, then you can save on the plowing budget. We just won't plow. There you go. <laughs> People have to ski to work. And this is why Monty and I are not running this stuff. I love the ideas. You Keep heard the ideas that were going in my head before you said that. I was like, what if we moved
1: Northampton to Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> and then we all registered to vote there, too. <laughs> before we go. One more time, where people can find these applications and more information, please? There's actually a sub-page under the mayor's page, again,
2: um, called the Massachusetts Vac- Vacant Storefront Program page, and it has uh, guidelines for how to apply, and it's not a very high bar to apply.
1: And, and there is also for the application for the federal funds, for the ARPA funds, the community development funds?
4: Go to northeantanma.gov and go to the mayor's page and look for the American Rescue Plan uh, page that's on there. Um and please, please apply. So October 14th is the deadline for that. The vacant storefront program, um, there isn't a deadline, but we already have some interest, and it is a competitive program. So if you're at all interested, check it out and apply.
1: Mayor Gina Sherra, Alan Wolf, Chief of Staff, thank you both so very much. Thank you.
9: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A heated debate over whether the city of Holyoke should accept a $65,000 grant to invest in ShotSpotter technology was the focus of much of last night's city council meeting. Councilor Kevin Jourdain spoke in favor of the technology.
0: They've given us this grant, take their money. This is money now that we're going to have to use ARPA funds if we don't take the $65,000.
9: Opponents say it's inaccurate and could lead to more policing and profiling in neighborhoods that already have a negative relationship with police. Here's Counselor-at-Large Israel Rivera.
3: There's a lot of research that has been put out to contradict the shot spotter research.
9: Ultimately, by a vote of 9-3, to the Holyoke City Council voted to accept the grant and take steps towards studying, purchasing, and implementing the equipment. A tractor-trailer crash shut down Exit 2 on I-91 North this morning. It happened at the Longmeadow Curve. Exit 2 is the Forest Park-East Longmeadow off-ramp. According to Massachusetts State Police, about 30 gallons of diesel leaked from the fuel tank. Cleanup is now complete and the ramp is back open. A Ludlow man facing multiple charges after allegedly threatening to kill and assault an officer with a large dog. The incident happened around 745 Sunday night. 25-year-old Bradley Caverley immediately began to confront officers who then used tasers on Caverly and his dog, and one officer was bit by the dog in the process. Caverly is being held without bail until a dangerousness hearing tomorrow in Palmer District Court.
3: Mostly cloudy today with scattered showers and patchy drizzle. There might be a few breaks of sunshine in the afternoon, a high of 60 to 64. Partial clearing tonight and patchy fog, an overnight low of 42 to 48. Mostly sunny tomorrow, 70 to 74. Low 70s and a sun cloud mix on Friday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 1015 WHMP.
9: This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
6: Yo soy Johan con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. El Consejo Municipal de Holyoke aprobó el martes en su sesión general el aceptar fondos federales por 64850 dólares que financiarían parcialmente la tecnología de detección de disparos Shotsporter en la ciudad, un sistema que identifica dónde se originó un disparo de arma de fuego. La mayor razón para apoyar esta tecnología fue basada en que es una herramienta que ayudaría al Departamento de Policía de Holyoke. Después de una hora de discusión que por momentos se tornó contenciosa y cargada de animosidad entre algunos miembros del Consejo, esa votación, que había sido aplazada desde el 1 de septiembre, confirmó su aceptación e integrará la tecnología Shotspotter en zonas de la ciudad donde se han registrado incidentes con armas de fuego. Más temprano, a las afueras de la alcaldía de Holyoke, un grupo de ciudadanos se congregó en una breve manifestación para expresar su rechazo a esta tecnología. Algunos de estos ciudadanos se expresaron ante el Consejo durante la sesión de comercio. Entre sus argumentos se destacó que la tecnología Shotspotter no ha funcionado en otras ciudades donde se ha implementado. En otras informaciones, el presidente Joe Biden viajó a Puerto Rico el lunes para reunirse con las víctimas que fueron azotadas por el huracán Fiona hace dos semanas y se comprometió a garantizar que el territorio estadounidense esté mejor preparado para futuras tormentas. El presidente anunció más de 60 millones de dólares en fondos para ayudar a las áreas costeras a reconstruirse mejor preparadas para tormentas severas, asegurando que las cosas estén construidas para durar, dijo Biden desde la comunidad sureña de Ponce. El lunes temprano, Biden dijo que viajaba a la isla porque no han sido atendidos muy bien es un punto que reiteró mientras hablaba en puerto rico enumerando los obstáculos que los puertorriqueños han enfrentado en los últimos años desde huracanes anteriores y covid-19 hasta terremotos yo soy johan Rashi vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de holyoke media a través de whmp
9: this news minute has been brought to you by our partners at holyoke media
6: this is bill newman whmp
1: we welcome back to the studio Cheryl Studley, who is the Artistic Director of Serious Play, Serious Play, speaking about uh, venues and uh, artistic endeavors that bring so much to our community on our downtown. Serious Play has been with us for what, Cheryl? How long is Serious 27
5: Play? 27-plus year, years we've been doing theater.
1: And, I, well, you have two friends with you today, so maybe you should have the honor of the introduction. I do have my uh, notes, but... Who'd you bring with you today, and why'd you bring them?
5: Hi, I brought Molly Maxner, who is part of the new leadership team at APE, and Marina Zarita, who is our first artist-in-residence, a theater maker for the new Theater Lab. And I'm going to turn it over to Molly.
1: Well, let me ask, Molly, uh, you are one of the... People who are part of the executive team, the leadership team at APE, and Marina Zarita is here from Brazil working with you and with Cheryl. Uh, I think to most people listening at this point saying I don't quite understand what's happening, but you are about to tell <laughs> us what is happening and why it's happening and what mm-hmm. we get to see. So please, talk to us.
7: Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, so I um, just back moved back to Northampton and started this new work, and one of the first things that we're doing at APE This year is has started. We have started a lab program for emerging theater makers. And we have five artists that are spending time with us this year, uh, over a year in residence and in mentorship and uh, in collaboration, making new work. And one of the folks that we have here in residence, as you've mentioned, is uh, a dear friend, Marina, who comes from. Brazil and is living in New York City right now and is here in residence at APE and working at 33 Holly and is working on a new project and would love to have her share a little bit about what that project is because it's being created right here in Northampton.
1: I want to hear first.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: Tell
1: me this: Is this project being created at the APE space on Main Street, or are we talking about something that's going to taking place at Thirty Three Holly Street, the Arts Trust Building?
8: Um, it's Thirty Three Holly, yeah. So we've been working in the workroom, which is this very amazing in construction, but already you know we've been able to be there and start working. This big space um, with a lot of resources, but mainly just. You know, a big massive space where you can come in and collaborate and create.
1: This is the space, the downstairs space that's going to be the theater, Uh, is that right? At at 33 Holly Street? Yes, that's right. And well, let me just take a quick detour. How far along is that construction?
7: you know it's it's a great question. It, the <laughs> space, as marina said is 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 ready for using right now for re- for rehearsals and and projects. but we're about to go into construction. and in about I would I'm not going to say the time frame, but sometime in the next year, the space will be complete. That's so. That's so true. What a community project! Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. talking
1: about bringing people downtown for Mm -hmm. amazing, amazing theater. It's
7: going to have so much potential. Mm -hmm.
1: And theater and all sorts of events. So, uh, Marina Zarita, help us understand what is being created, uh, who is participating, and then we'll get to how do we see it. But tell us about the project itself and who's involved, please.
8: So this is a project that um, I've started investigating two years ago, actually during the pandemic, um, when I had the privilege to stay home and think and read um, <laughs> during the lockdown. What a nice way to put it, the yeah. privilege to stay home and think right, and read right. and, That's... And,
1: and pace and uh, say, how do I get out of here? Yeah. And, okay, got it.
8: Yeah. Um, you know, and I say the privilege because the people that the piece is about, um, which are waste pickers, um, yes, I will, I will explain what that term means, but if you've, um, if you've been to New York or any large city, you probably have seen uh, canners, they're called canners in the US, so people c- who collect recyclable materials and then resell them as a way of living. Um, waste pickers is the global term for that, and that's a very common um, l- labor in Brazil and Latin America in general. Um, so this piece is about interviews with waste pickers from Brazil. And I guess I, I, you know, really started to, going back to the pandemic, really started to saying, referring to my time during COVID as a privilege, because a lot of people didn't have that privilege. Um, you know, a lot of people had to, the essential workers, how we began to call them, had to keep working and collecting our trash. And, uh, you know, nurses and and doctors you know all those people couldn't really take that privilege as most of us did um yeah and the the piece really started during that time because I was reading and and thinking and thinking about my own situation you know at home and all the things that I was able to do with the time that I had and then also thinking about the people who were not having that time
1: yeah, I know, I, know I, I made light of it, but I understand really what you're saying about the privilege of being able to do that. And of course, that's absolutely true because, but for the essential workers who went to work every day, mm-hmm. everyone who had the privilege of staying home wouldn't have been able to, yeah. do, to do that. Uh, tell us a bit more about the piece, please, and who's involved, how many people are involved, how uh, uh, APE fits into this, how serious play is part of this. It sounds like a collaborative effort, but I don't quite understand Uh, how it's working, so explain that if you would please.
8: Yes, Um, so as I've mentioned the piece really started once I was able to interview some people in Brazil who work as waste pickers, and the piece had a first iteration in North Carolina um, where I met Molly, Um, and after that first iteration I had some time to reflect and think about what a second iteration could be. and I found new collaborators, new actors who were Brazilians, and two actors who are here in Northampton now, collaborating with me. Um, and I would say that APE really came into, you know, I- into uh, this project as a, an amazing resource um, for m- myself and the other two actors who are here now. Both of us now living in New York. Um, space is not always available for creative making and what ap has been able to give us is time and space to collaborate and create this piece together
1: so you're creating the piece here here's what i'm confused about you have a piece you have mm-hmm. these interviews you've done an awful lot of work on it and yet you keep saying that you're creating the piece mm-hmm. here you don't say we're rehearsing the piece here yeah. so explain that to me if you would please
8: Yes, um, well, because it really feels like it. a, a, a theater piece m- takes time. Um, even though I, I know it sounds, probably sounds a little crazy because we've been in research for a long time now and it, we had a first iteration and then now we're moving to a second one. And between the first iteration of the piece, the first story that we were able to create and then the second one that we were driving towards, there is more research that happens and more... Um, more questions and more making. You know, it's almost like you g- you dive into, you dive back into the research between one iteration and the second one.
1: So you are creating the play here. Yes, that's that's what's happening mm-hmm. at, in the space at Thirty Three Holly.
7: Yeah, and one of the things that's so exciting about the lab is that throughout the year, people will be invited to come in and see the piece at different stages in development as it's being made over the year. So one of the big f- moments for that is going to be in February of 2023 where there's going to be an invited public sharing of where the piece is in development at that time um and so we're we are in process moving toward that February date
1: and then after that I know uh, I know I'm asking you to predict the future <laughs> 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 a difficult thing um, but but there's a showing and then is there public feedback? Is there discussion? I mean, what happens What happens then?
7: Yeah, so one of the beautiful things about the lab is that we're developing those conversations with the artists with and with the community around how do we talk about new work? How do we engage? Because the interface of the work with the public is a huge part of the creative process. And so that comes into and impacts Marina and the way that the piece develops, and so those conversations and that feedback and and those questions and those impacts are all become part of the work.
1: So Marina, let me understand this: you say you're putting this piece together at Holly Street. I got that's right, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. You also said something about living in New York uh, and space unavailable there. So. Uh, could you put those two together for me? Where are you? I mean, other than here with us this morning. And, and explain, explain this process, if you would, please, between the uh, you being here from Brazil and the two actors also being here from Brazil and APE here in Northampton and Serious Play also in Northampton. Could you just put those pieces together for me, please?
8: Yeah, I can try. I can try. <laughs> um, well, yes, I am born and raised in Brazil. I came to the US six years ago um, to study in North Carolina that's where I I'm, I'm yes um, that's where I I met Molly um, and have moved to to New York after n- living in North Carolina and that's where I met the two uh, two other collaborators, the two actors who are here in Northampton um, they are also from Brazil but also based in New York. Um, and, yeah, space is very much unavailable in New York because it's expensive.
7: And so that's where APE and Serious Play and the lab come in is that that is the resource that we have to share with folks. And so this lab is to use the resources both, you know, the resources of our history as makers of theater. Both of us make, both of us
5: make work, make new work.
7: And also the resource of space. And so the lab brings artists both local. In this lab we have five different artists. Two are local and, and three are coming from out of town. So five new works are being made in Northampton this year. Five. Five. Mm-hmm. So Marina is just one of, of five one different um, uh, pieces Five different artists that are coming together to make work that are all being, all being
1: created at 33 Holly Street.
7: All being created at 33 Holly. And year. will they
1: all be shown at
7: 33 Holly? And Street? they will all be shown at APE at 33 Holly. Some at the gallery over the next year.
5: The workroom thea- at the workroom theater.
1: Uh, and these pieces are created by people who are from uh, countries uh, from around the world, or they're from local creators. There are
7: two local artists.
5: Um, Serious Play has um, contacted new people were developing new work. So Condra Dune and Herman Parks is one of the other artists. And Marcia Gomes, uh, who's a sixth grade teacher and also a singer songwriter and worked with Serious Play in For Colored Girls, our version six years ago, she's developing a new piece also. So those are the two local folks. And then Molly from North Carolina School for the Arts brought.
7: Yeah, so there are two other artists, um, Isabel Bouchou and Jackson Pells, and they're working on a really fascinating piece that is about plant biology and religion, the devil, and they're coming in a couple of weeks. And we'll be, I know, right? right it's like-
1: then, pl- oh, sorry, I, I think. <laughs> exactly. did you, you, you just had, said plant you- biology and the devil. <laughs> yeah.
7: I know, exactly. That's what you said. I did. I said plant biology <laughs> and, and the devil. And it's a, it's a musical.
1: And it's a musical, of course it is. Of course, House of Horrors. How, 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 could, how
7: exactly, could I? Exactly right. How
1: could I have missed that part? We're going to continue our conversation on the other start, side of the break with Cheryl Studley, artistic director of Serious Play, Marina Zurita, theater maker from Brazil, and Molly Maxner from APE. We'll be right back. This
6: is Bill Newman,
0: WHMP.
10: Hello, this is Linda DeGillis, Vice President and Trust Officer at Greenfield Savings Bank Wealth Management and Trust Services. Many of our customers are surviving spouses who have found themselves suddenly in charge of their household's financial savings and investments, which had previously been handled exclusively by their late spouse. A number of our female customers have told us that one of the reasons they moved their accounts to GSB Wealth Management and Trust Services was because they felt patronized or talked down to by their spouse's financial advisor. At GSB Wealth Management and Trust Services, our team of professionals will always treat you with respect and compassion. If you are looking for portfolio management, estate settlement services, or trust services, please call us, Greenfield Savings Bank Wealth Management and Trust Services, at 413 775 8335. That's 413 775 Or stop into any GSB office or contact us online through the Wealth Management section at greenfieldsavings.com. Thank you.
0: You want the very best opportunities for your child. Given the amount of time children spend in school each day, you want your child to be inspired, to be engaged, to love going to school. At Bement, each student experiences this every day. The Bement School in Deerfield is a close-knit community of students from around the valley and across the globe, kindergarten through ninth grade, learning from each other in the classroom, rooting for each other on the athletic field, and celebrating each other on the stage. We are local, we are global, and our differences make us stronger. We interact face-to-face, share meals together every day, and open doors for one another. The true essence of your child's time at Bement is preparing for a life of integrity, of significance, of joy. Financial aid and transportation are available to help make a Bement school education possible. I'm Kim Laughlin, Director of Admission, please contact me or visit our website. Bement will be the best investment you make in your child's future.
11: My dad, Russell Cooper, started Cooper's Dairy in 1936 at the age of 18. As a kid, I'd load bottles into the bottle washing machine or ride right in the tanker truck to pick up the milk. My father got up at two in the morning to make sure all the home delivery routes had been covered. When the milkman era ended, people started to call a location the corner of Main and Chestnut in Florence, Cooper's Corner. In 1974, Dad bought State Street Fruit Store in Northampton. People used to call it Charlie's back then. Soon, DuYard's barbershop next door became State Street Deli, and we built State Street Wines and Spirits on the other side. Hi, I'm Rich Cooper, and I've been helping to keep Coopers and State Street committed to our Valley neighbors and farms my entire life. And now, it's time for the next generation to take over. Don't worry, it'll still be quick in and quick out every day of the year, but the next time you run out, you might run into Mike Natale. He's a Florence native, and he'll be taking things from here. Maybe Mike will let me host some wine and cheese tastings for customers, or I suppose I could just be a volunteer greeter at the door. On behalf of the Coopers family, I want to say thank you for supporting us these last 86 years.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: We continue our conversation with Molly Maxner from APE and Marina Zarita, who is a theater maker from Brazil and Cheryl Studley, the Artistic Director of Serious Play. Let me turn back to Molly from APE, if I might, for a moment. We've been hearing about these pieces that are being created here in Northampton from five or six original pieces uh, going on in, well, creation and rehearsal, and not rehearsal because it's being created literally uh, from day to day and from meeting to meeting. Uh, when do we, the public, have the opportunity to, to see these pieces, or will we?
7: Yeah. So in February of 2023, we're going to have a series of sharings of where the pieces are in development, and the plan is the four four Saturdays in February we're going to have open sharings for the public.
1: And we don't get to see it, any of it until then.
7: That's right, because we're you know part of the lab is holding that space for the artists to go into the early stages of development. And then by February, we'll, we'll be ready to, to share with the public.
1: So the, uh, n- this is kind of serendipity that it happens to be in Northampton, that all of you get together, that you come from Brazil, you, you're you from North Carolina, you meet, you're in Brooklyn, you need space, and here you are. I mean, there's nothing planned about this. There's a certain organic nature to this. Uh, am, I, am I overstating that?
8: No, it really it really feels like... Just yeah, really much meant to be, and I'm very grateful for that.
1: Uh, Marina Zarita, you told us in the early segment about the waste pickers, and that this is the first piece that you're going to produce, or that that you're working on, that you're creating. I, I'd like to know more about that because it sounds like a very poignant, very poignant topic. People who collect garbage and pick and sort it and sell the recyclables, and that's how they make a living. Tell us a bit more about that and your investigation and your experience with it, please.
8: Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's hard talking about it because it's there's so much there, and as as we've talked about before, I the piece is very much in process still, but I would say that I think what you know has grabbed me and hooked me to these stories, the the stories and the interviews and the piece itself. Um, is the fact that we don't we don't hear stories about waste pickers? Um, there are a couple documentaries that have been made, but you know, fictional stories um, that make us laugh and cry, and and all all of the the good stuff about you know fiction we don't really we don't really hear about them. Um, and in times of
1: oh, you see the photos of the kids picking over the garbage dumps, and it's just. Heartbreaking, I think.
8: Yeah, yeah, it is. But it, it's also, you know, in times of accumulation of waste and climate change and all of the bad things that we're doing to the planet, we, I feel like we are hearing about, about all of those issues from scientists and activists and never about people who are daily laboring with waste and with our discards. And they have a lot to say. Um, they are, they they know a lot about all the things that we don't pay attention to, all the things that we don't spend more than two seconds, you know, looking at before throwing on a on a tin can. And you know, they are they are spending time with with our waste. And I think we have to to listen to their stories.
1: Yeah, and uh, picking over the, in these mountains of garbage that are. A health hazard to every mm-hmm. uh, person, and often children who are working there on these mountains of garbage should find something that can be sold. I mean, it, it's a heartbreaking story that you're going to create, that you are creating. That is based, this factually based. It's reportage. Yeah, really.
8: yeah. It's it feels in a way like a doc theater piece because it's based on real stories. Um, and right now, you know where we are at in the story. The piece is based in this cooperative, so a place where a group of waste pickers collectively sort waste so they can sell the waste in bulk um, and gain more money from from it. Um, and you know, the, this co-op has represented a second chance for all the pickers involved in this labor.
1: And this is the show that we will see. It has a title?
8: It, the title is, is, is still coming. <laughs> (laughs) Um,
1: We'll see it in February.
8: Yes. (laughs)
1: Thank you so very much. Marina Zarita from Brazil, theater maker from Brazil, working with APE, Molly Maxner from APE, and Cheryl Stooley, artistic director of Serious Play. Thank you all so very, very much for what you're doing and what you are bringing to this community.
7: Thank you so much. Thank you. happening this
0: Friday at 9 a.m.?
7: Is this week's Shop Friday, Hangar Pub and Grill?
0: Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m.
7: Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Famous for their amazing wings and beer, the Hangar Pub and Grill has multiple locations throughout Western Mass. The Hangar Wings paired with an Amherst Brewing Beer is perfect before a game. After work, lunch.
0: Check them out. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at WHMP.com.
11: Dear Massachusetts,
8: marijuana is now legal for adult use. Keep your kids and pets safe by keeping all cannabis products in child-resistant packaging. Store your cannabis in a lockbox out of sight and out of reach from your children and teach them that cannabis and alcohol are for adults only and that prescription medications are only meant for the person they are prescribed for. Brought to you by the Northampton Prevention Coalition, working together to protect the developing brain. Northampton Prevents Live and local
3: news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since nineteen fifty. WHMP Northampton WHMQ Greenfield Northampton Radio Group Station.